Hello and welcome to the Imagineer Podcast, your unofficial guide to all things Disney. I'm your host, Matthew Krull, and you're listening to episode 139 of the Imagineer Podcast. In today's episode, we're going to continue our two-part discussion all about the music at Disney's Hollywood Studios. If you haven't listened to part one, please do go back and listen to episode 138 to get some more context about our discussion. We talk about the music at Disney's Hollywood Studios as a whole and some of the imagineering of the park and what it's intended to convey. And we discuss Hollywood Boulevard, the park entrance, Echo Lake, and Grand Avenue. In this podcast episode, part two, we're going to dive into Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, Toy Story Land, Animation Courtyard, and Sunset Boulevard, and provide some wrap-up commentary about the music experience and the Imagineering at Disney's Hollywood Studios. At the end of the episode, we'll come back and I'll tell you a little bit more about how you can connect with the Imagineer podcast on all your favorite social media channels, and how you can help to inspire and create the future of this show. So, grab some headphones, pull up your favorite armchair, and enjoy this episode of the Imagineer Podcast. Used to ramble through the park, shadow boxing in the dark. Then you came and caused a spark that's a four-lump fire now. I never made love by lantern shine. It's amazing how Grand Avenue, there's so much music, um, but it's, yeah. it is, a, it is a new area. So I think that they enhanced it with, you know, baseline tap house doesn't really have a music loop. It's more like a Spotify playlist, um, but Grand Avenue has a, a really great music loop. Um, now we're getting to the, some of the big ones. Um, Star Wars Galaxy's Edge yes. is a new land in a lot of senses. And one of those senses has to do with music and sound design. Um, one of the things I love, and then I'll, I'll, I'll do the transition and then you take it wherever you want to go, but this is one of my favorite parts of Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. The transition, the tunnel, has its own music loop, um, and I, I, it's, it's not so much. It, it, the music loop is like two and a half minutes long. It's, it's incredibly short because people are walking through it, so you're really not spending a lot of time in there. But it is one of those things you can find it on YouTube. Just look for Star Wars Galaxy's Edge entrance music loop. Um, it's there's one particular channel. Um, you can find a lot of great channels out there that have some like Disney area music you can listen to on YouTube. Um, but one particular channel I'll put it on like an hour loop. I listen to that all the time. It's only two and a half minutes like two and a half minutes looped, but it is not so much John Williams' Star Wars music. Like that to me sets the tone right away for the type of experiencing you're you're gonna get. If they wanted you to feel like, if the Imagineers wanted you to feel like you were walking into a larger version of Star Tours, you would hear canon John Williams Star Wars music or the Star Wars Galaxy's Edge symphonic suite that John Williams created for Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. You do not hear that. You hear a very Mandalorian-esque, um, quiet, like uh, percussion heavy, and I mean like chime heavy, um, 
uh, flute um, type of vibe, almost like you're in a remote, really off the beaten path planet, which is what it's supposed to be. Because Batu is, you know, Black Spire Outpost. Uh, Black Spire Outpost is a remote outpost on a remote planet of Batu in the outer rim. So we're like we're really in the outskirts of the galaxy, and that entrance music feels very remote. Um, you already get the vibe that you are somewhere alien um, and somewhere totally off the beaten path. Um, and somehow it just fits so perfectly to connect you from that funk music to now you are on the planet of Batu. Wow, you're le- le- leading me up to this? Wow, I'm an under a lot of pressure now. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me I what mean, you found. Like, <laughs> I mean, Galaxy's Edge, I mean, I mean, that's to to an entirely different level. I mean, they first of all, I mean, they were able to get John Williams to compose the the score for this entire land, which is unprecedented. And then, in addition to that, too, they basically essentially took that theme and then had to make several arrangements for the different sections of Galaxy's Edge. So it wasn't even just creating a theme. They actually utilized the theme that John Williams himself wrote and then essentially developed ambient music to be used throughout the entire area. And, I mean, that's that's unprecedented. I mean, it's, it's just truly amazing. Um, in fact, a couple of things uh, that I found was particularly interesting. So they did get the London Symphony Orchestra to come back to essentially to do this performance. And then from that point, taking that original composition and then um, essentially make, having various different musical contexts to use uh, throughout the area. One other thing that I found was, was really interesting is that John Williams actually won a Grammy for this. Mm-hmm. So uh, he won it for Best Instrumental Composition. Uh, for that score, and I thought that was just in- that, that. I mean, like you, you won a Grammy for you know for basically for music to be used <laughs> for, for theme park music. I mean, that's yeah. that's just truly incredible. It definitely speaks to the the level that the Imagineers are taking things these days. And um, you know, Galaxy's Edge is really interesting. It's not music heavy. Um, you know, when you walk around Galaxy's Edge you don't hear a lot of music and so it's the first case just in the background yeah yeah the setting is really um it's a lot of sound design and so i actually read in a a, an article recapping an imagineering panel that there are over 2900 unique sounds developed for galaxy's edge between um, wow. rocket flyovers and flybys, um, chatter in Black Spire Outpost. I mean, that's a lot of sound design that you're that you're talking about for a land. And there were Imagineers, obviously, who were like responsible for the sound design. Uh, the the Imagineer who spoke to this particular fact um, was uh, John, uh, nicknamed J.K. Kessler, um, who's a principal audio media designer. And you also have the uh, music from John Williams that, Mike, you referenced that's integrated into the land. So this was, uh, obviously the music itself was developed by John Williams, but um, the Imagineers responsible for integrating it, or two of the many Imagineers responsible for integrating it, who at least were on this panel, were John Dennis, who's the executive music producer, and William Ross, who's the arranger and producer. And they had to think about how to incorporate the 
themes from different movies into the different areas of Galaxy's Edge. The main places you're actually going to hear real Star Wars music are in the attractions. So um, Millennium Falcon Smuggler's Run. Um, I have not been able to actually confirm the, the music used as background music on Smuggler's Run. I do know that both attractions, Star Wars Rise of the Resistance and, and Millennium Falcon Smuggler's Run, play a short, like, 20-second clip of the Galaxy's Edge Symphonic Suite um, in both cases when you're taking off, which is really interesting. So on uh, Smuggler's Run, it's when you leave Onaka Transport Solutions headquarters. You hear the theme as soon as you take off. Same thing. With the ITS shuttle sequence on Rise of the Resistance, as soon as you take off, you hear the t- same 20-second clip from the <laughs> Galaxy's Edge Symphonic Suite. Um, so that was that's interesting. That's really the only place you'll hear that. Otherwise, that song is mostly used in promotional footage and is used in the where you can actually download the song on Spotify or Apple Music. Um, the otherwise, most of the music you'll hear from from Star Wars itself is primarily on Rise of the Resistance. Um, What I love about Rise of the Resistance, I've talked about this before, I did an entire episode about it, is that they chose music from all three trilogies. Mm -hmm. Um, Up through The Last Jedi, you won't won't really hear Rise of Skywalker music except for the themes that are reprised from Force Awakens and The Last Jedi that you'll hear. Um, But for those of you who are interested, this is the, on the actual on-ride prisoner transport um, part of the attraction, the main part of the attraction, <clears throat> the music that you'll hear. In the pre-show, you will hear Ray's theme from The Force Awakens when Ray comes onto the hologram. Um, but and you hear you actually do hear some other um music as you're as you're walking into the ITS shuttle and then on the ITS shuttle and then in the first order hangar bay and the prisoner transfer cells and the, the um sorry the prisoner cells and the hallway and the the stormtrooper room, you do get some of that some um, uh, like first order empire type of background music vibe but not really distinctly from a star wars movie but once you get onto the ride um the first song that hits you right away is hyperspace from the end of empire strikes back um kind of gets your blood pumping then you have bounty hunters pursuit from attack of the clones so we jump back to episode two we have then fast forward to battle of crate from the last jedi and revisiting snoke from the last jedi then we go to Force Awakens. We have Kylo Ren arrives at the battle um, and Scherzo for X-Wings. One of my favorite parts is when you're going through the um, uh, past the, the cannons shooting into space. Mm-hmm. Uh, you sort of look out. And then you have ending things for all the, the true Star Wars fans. You end the experience with the last battle from A New Hope and the throne room and end titles from A New Hope. So it's mm-hmm. like, hey, we're going to give you like a lot of new, new Disney Star Wars movies with a touch of Attack of the Clones in here too. And then we're going to, we're going to we're going to reference the prequels and the music and then we're going to jump back to the original how Luke felt um you know uh, destroying the Death Star. Oh, I guess they'll get goosebumps when they when they're doing I have that. Them right now. <laughs> yeah, I know. Every single time cuz like you like every time I hear it's like that that specific that specific part of that of that music that you know it's like it's the trench run and Luke is like is getting ready like oh man. Yeah, it was like the, it was does. such a perfect timing because it's it's part of the attraction too, where nothing really is happening yet, but you know something is about to happen. Like they're set, mm-hmm. it's like they're setting it up for it. It was just like the the perfect moment in that attraction to use that music. 
and it's just timed so perfectly with the the escape pod sequence. It, oh yeah, it's, it's it's amazing how they how they blended that together. Um, the only other place I want to reference that they did mention or include Star Wars music is actually in Savi's workshop. Um, so when you're building a lightsaber, they do um, include the the Force theme and Yoda's theme um, into Savi's workshop, which was also very appropriate. Um, but there was a place at Galaxy's Edge that has a long loop of music that was created originally for Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. Do you know what I'm talking about, Mike? Uh, I do, but I don't know too much about it because I've only done it once. And I assume that's yes. you're talking about Oga's Katina. I am. Um, so I'll let Oga's you take Katina. over that because I've only done it once. <laughs> I only I've only been there once so far. I want to go back, though. It's it's obviously so much fun. Um, you know, you get DJ Rex from Star Tours, um, a reference back to St- Rex from Star Tours. Now DJ Rex, um, but it is an a- over an hour of cantina music that was developed by Walt Disney Imagineering, um, and it's basically stylized cantina band music that you would hear. Um, there is they do have a like sort of techno version of the cantina band theme in there um which was great so that's one thing that they did throw into the mix like yes this is meant to be a cantina so we are going to include for all you star wars fans like true old school star wars fans the cantina band theme but it's going to be a little more techno to fit with the dj rex vibe um but that's all i know about it too it's it's you know we have like batu boogie is one of my favorites it's just it's like it's it fits so well with the Star Wars theming. It's exactly the type of like goofy techno music. Um, it's goofy for us, you know, us Earthbound people, but it's it's just like droid stylized type of techno music that you would hear. And you can find Ogus Cantina music also on Spotify or Apple Music. They have, um, I don't know if it's the entire loop, but they do have a, a number of songs that they play in the cantina that you can listen to at home hmm. or on the go, wherever you are. Um, I'm gonna have to listen to it now. Yeah, cue it up. Spotify, Apple Music. It's it's you know it fits so well with the August Cantina theme. Uh, the August Cantina vibe. It might not be the best like background music for quiet work, but it's it's it sets the mood for a fun evening. Anyway, let's transition. We transitioning out of Galaxy's Edge the other way. Actually, get the same music. I think it was as the uh, Grand Avenue entrance, that two and a half minute loop, it fits, in my opinion, much better in the tunnel than it does in the Toy Story Land and a transition. For me, the Toy Story Land transition is one that it, you just kind of accept. Like the only <laughs> the only the only transition is that alien swirling saucers is right there. So we're like thinking about an alien place, but this one I get was a little difficult to really make a seamless transition. Um, area of improvement, perhaps for the future when we talk about transitioning from one land to the next. But then we enter Toy Story Land. Um, so this is obviously meant to be, you know, Andy's backyard. Um, you're shrunk down to the size of a toy, so we get a very Toy Story vibe when we walk into Toy Story Land. Um, but it's not just hearing the theme to "You've Got a Friend in Me" sung over and over again. No, they um, they added a lot of music from I think from several of the films um, sparse throughout it, which was really nice. Yes. So what what did you pick up, Mike? 
Um, so I did pick up a quite a bit of music from the first film, which makes sense because a lot of it takes place in Andy's room. So again, kind of having that that same kind of feeling. So got quite a bit of that. Um, did see hear instrumental versions of a lot of songs that you know, like spark, but they're sparse throughout. So it's not constantly you got a friend of me, but obviously that's in there. But um, you know, Woody's Roundup is in there, and that's always you know that's always fun. Um, there's also. Um, but you also have like I Will Go Sailing No More, which is, uh, you know, which is a great choice. And they also have um, When She Loved Me. And I mean, every time I'm like, I'm about to like, stop it. I'm going to cry now. <laughs> they could every have not time. included that song. It would have been better. <laughs> yeah. I like every time I'm like, oh, now I'm just going to cry. But this yeah. right now and I'm going to cry. So, Beautiful song. But it's, it's, a, it's it, an it, absolutely it, it gorgeous song. It's an absolutely yeah. gorgeous song. And um, so those are the, the songs that I picked up. Um, I did pick up mostly music from the first and second films. I didn't hear too much from the third or fourth. No, it's so the Toy Story Land music loop is essentially the Pixar Place music loop, but it's brought to Toy Story Land and Pixar Place was developed in the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was not like well, really like mid mid aughts, like two, I forgot the exact year that Pixar Place came out, but um that was at the time only Toy Story 1 and Toy Story 2 had come into play so that you know Toy Story 3 and Toy Story 4 weren't eligible at the time like they didn't exist so they didn't right. have the scores for that yet right which I found interesting because I mean Toy Story Land being fairly recent you would think that they would update the area loop to include uh, music from the, the the final two films so but so I f- thought that was kind of interesting, but I did like actively listen like throughout it and saying and thinking like, is there anything from Toy Story three or four that I can pick up from here? And I really didn't hear much. It was mostly from one and two. No, there is there is definitely, and I'm sure they could and probably will at some point update the music in the lands to include the third and the fourth movies. Um, some of the some of the themes that you'll hear from there, but. Um, Primarily, like the music Slinky Dog Dash, the queue is open in Toy Story Land, so you get the same queue music. The uh, Toy Story Mania queue music is also the Toy Story Land's music loop. Um, the only thing, um, have you listened? Have you been on Alien Swirling Saucers? I have not actually. Have you listened to Alien Swirling Saucers music? Nope. It's very funny. Um, <laughs> really? Okay. It is. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna send you a link when we're done recording here. Okay. It's, so they listen. they have um so they have three I believe yes they have three songs that are like spacey alien themed um like the Toy Story alien themed um music and the songs that they picked are Zerg's Planet which is from Toy Story two Strange Things and oh you know what. I was wrong. This is from Toy Story Three. We belong together. Um, is the other is the other song that they play? Oh, that's interesting. Alien Alien version. And while you're riding, the aliens make different noises. They're like, "Ooh, yeah, that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> it's very funny." Um, it's meant to, you know it's a kid friendly ride. It's just meant to be a lot of fun and and very hilarious. So I'll send you some links or you can look it up, Mike. It's it's just very fun. So they have those three songs. There's also an original song or two or three that were developed for toy story mania. Um, so they do have a midway mania theme that Don Rickles sang. Mm-hmm. I remember that as Mr. Potato head and the anim- it's in the pre-show or the, the animatronic part of the queue. Midway mania. You'll love 
this game, it's so insane here. Everybody, I said, everybody's playing. Everybody's saying, you won't be the same once you play this game. Um, you can also get it on the one of the Disney albums. So you can actually, if you type in like Midway Mania theme, it usually shows up on Spotify or Apple Music or whatever you're using, Amazon Music to, to find that. But that's one that was developed. Technically, Mr. Potato Head also sings like, you know, one potato, two potato, three potato, four. Like he sings, he sings a few songs in the queue. What I really like, I, I don't know how they decided that this was the song that they were going to pick, but it's so fitting. It's the... It's from Toy Story 2. The load music for Toy Story Mania is The Cleaner, um, which is one of Randy Newman's songs. So this is from Toy Story 2, the part where Woody's getting cleaned up by Mm. um, The Cleaner, who is also Jerry from Jerry's Game. game, Yeah. Uh, The the, uh, Toy Story short, the the Pixar short. Um, So that music that you hear in Toy Story 2, it's, it's, um, it's, changed a bit it's arranged a little bit differently but it is the cleaner um so that's the music you hear when you're loading which that I, is it I, I, I didn't even think about that that's right yeah i don't know and it's always that like it's they specifically have that song played for the load area for toy story mania i don't know why they chose it it doesn't really have anything to do with the ride but it really fits thematically when you hear it. I think because it's, it's, it's very calming, but it's also like, if you think about it, like, like if you think about the reference to the cleaner scene is like, they're preparing Woody basically to be on display. That's so true. to me, like thematically, it actually kind of makes sense because you're basically preparing to get on the attraction. So I don't know, like that, that would be, I guess my connection to that is that is, is that theme of, of preparation essentially. Yeah, it's uh, you know what that's that's probably true. I like how you connect to that thematically. That that makes sense. I was just thought it it sounded. I good. might be like just that. completely pulling it out, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, it, no, no, I mean that's the way I look at it, at least. It's hey, I'm like in my last interview with an Imagineer when I when I asked about the song selection for Cosmic Rewind, they just said we have like a hundred to pick from, and these mm-hmm. are the ones that fit the best. So yep, yep I remember that. Yep, but they also did. Uh, too, but I but also was interesting about that interview too was that they did test like several songs and then seeing which ones worked and didn't work. And some songs that they thought would be really good didn't end up working out at all for what the attraction was, which I, you know, that's the thing is that a lot, you know, there is a lot of thought processes involved, but sometimes it just comes down to just testing and experimenting and seeing what works and doesn't work because you can theorize all day long, but until you actually experience it yourself, you may be completely off the mark that some, that, that a piece of music would work here and reality it didn't it didn't uh convey anything that you wanted it to convey that's true and that's why there's no real rush jobs at disney like they might move quickly on something but there is always a test and adjust period and they usually end up changing number of things that's why there's always that disclaimer um on all the concept art and the information shared about upcoming disney attractions subject to change um because it probably will oh yeah <laughs> almost something in a, in, a re, in a real world environment is always so different than you could possibly imagine or recreate in a computer environment or on paper or however you prefer to envision it um even with vr so Let's transition. We're walking out of Toy Story Land, and we are okay. entering Commissary Lane. That's oh, sorry, not Commissary Lane. Animation Courtyard. We're on an Animation to... Courtyard. Yep. <laughs> animation I mean, Courtyard. 
I'm in a different park. You could, clearly. yeah, you could, you know, you could <laughs> technically go that route if you really want to. But no, we're gonna go. We're gonna go a little bit in the other direction. I'm hopping to- over McKin Minnie's Runaway Railway um, to get to. <laughs> we're taking a helicopter or something. Um, so yeah, we are in Animation Courtyard, and uh, this I, it there's the Animation Courtyard loop, um, which I don't think has been updated. And to be honest. I have not really spent enough time in this section because I'm usually walking even even two attractions in that section. I don't spend a lot of time paying that much attention to the music loop here. Um, yeah, neither do but I. But as far as I, I know, it hasn't been updated. So it's either the same or it's gone. Um, which I think there's, I if I remember correctly, there are some some of it there. I mean, it, it's still, I think, mostly overtures and suites as it always has been um, from the different films, which I, I actually really appreciated where it wasn't just the iconic, you know, songs from Disney animated, animated films. It's actually more of just the overall, uh, you know, the, the overall soundtrack to essentially these films. Um, so the ones at least that I picked up were uh, The Little Mermaid, which is pretty obvious from the attraction itself, um, but also um, from The Jungle Book, Hunchback of Notre Dame, a bug, uh, Bug's Life is in there as well, I heard, um, as well as Mulan and uh, Beauty and the Beast, of course, is also in there too. So those ones at least I picked up, but I b- did really appreciate that it wasn't just, you know, essentially a- additional renditions of these songs that they were already kind of peppered throughout the other different areas. This one was more specifically to these overtures and suites to give you an o- overall feel for these films. Yeah, and the original concept for Animation Courtyard, not surprisingly, was to speak to Disney Animation so you could actually go and see real animators working on movies like Emperor's New Groove and Mulan and all those films. You probably remember that more than I do, Mike. I do. And in fact, I do have a quick story about that because not only do I remember that, that so well, but they also would be showing concept art. And I mean... This was, you know, this was the 90s. I mean, this is still the time of like the internet still trying to figure out what it is. So, you know, there really wasn't such a thing like spoilers or anything like that. Not really. I mean, there were some, but not really back then. But I do remember that there was, uh, I did see concept art for a number of films. I think Mulan was one of them. But then there was this one that, that they showed this early concept art for, for this this ancient Mayan story and it was you know it was like it was interesting because like the the landscaping was just absolutely gorgeous but it's supposed to be like this very like dark you know you know visceral film called Children of the Sun and I guess I decided not to go that route and actually in turn that became The Emperor's New Groove and yeah. it's interesting to watch I know this has nothing to music but I think it's fa- fascinating anyway if you watch the, f- the film you can tell what they reuse because that's why the landscapes, especially for some of the scenes, are so gorgeous. Is because that was the original animation that was done for Children of the Sun that they just kind of happened to put Kuzgo on top of that. So uh, that so that what was so interesting, and I I do miss that because that was so amazing to watch the animators work um, there and seeing like early progress for upcoming Disney animation films. It's um it 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 definitely is you know it was a great experience and I you know right now Star Wars Launch Bay which is you know we're we're talking about um most of the animation experience was in that building where Star Wars Launch Bay now exists um you know it's <clears throat> I feel like it's it's definitely a temporary um replacement 
as they try to, you know, we talked about Echo Lake being one area where I could see the Imagineers changing things. And even more than Echo Lake, Animation Courtyard is very discordant. You have Star Wars Launch Bay. You have Voyage of the Little Mermaid, which is an original um, that's still there. Um, and probably the, you know, the most uh, old school MGM Studios experience um, that ties into Animation Courtyard. And you have um, Walt Disney Presents One Man's Dream. Mm-hmm. Um, so it feels a bit like a, a museum part of the park with a added component of a live show um, that you can get or two live shows technically. One other thing I do want to mention, sorry, real quick on the yeah. the animation studio tour um, was the short film that was shown there. I don't know if you remember that or not, but um, there was a short with Robin Williams that talks about yeah. animation, and it was it was hysterical even to this day. You know, it, like I always laughed at that one. It was a really it was a really cute short film where basically Robin Williams' character they go through the whole process of animation, and he basically becomes a, like a, an animated. Uh, version of a lost boy basically and uh i mean you know robin williams so like it was just hysterical the whole whole way through but that it kind of is like a combination of those um animated shorts where uh where somebody messes with the animated character and then it ends up it's it's the animator that's messing with them it's very meta like it kind of had that kind of feel to it yeah it's definitely um I, i remember i mostly remember that from watching it over on youtube i i don't remember if my parents ever did that to be honest and by the time i did the college program because again remember i didn't really do the park as much with my parents before that point um my parents didn't really spend a lot of time there with us then um so i don't think we ever did that um mgm studios back in the day was uh was a quick park for us but not much else to speak to the music i mean star wars launch bay you're going to get very similar music to star tours and Walt Disney One Man's Dream. There's some music. There's actually a score that was developed for the show, which if anyone hasn't seen it, please go and see it. Yeah, I love that show. It's an amazing show. Um, if you're a Walt fan or, or you know, want to, or if you're the type of person who says like, I, I want I want things the way Walt and, you know, way Walt wanted them, go and watch One Man's Dream um, because they do speak to and have a lot, you know, interview clips from Walt Disney and things that he actually said. And it's, it's very... Um, fascinating and moving and it's as a disney fan always gives me chills um and when you enter you hear a musical rendition of um when you wish upon a star yeah in the the lobby which is which is great um we're gonna pass the hollywood brown derby i could not find a distinct music loop it's part of technically hollywood boulevard um i as far as i know it's probably an i haven't dined in hollywood brown derby in years i need to fix that but um i couldn't really find a distinct music loop for that restaurant but now we're getting to the part of the park that I think is a great way to end our conversation, um, mm-hmm. which is a part of the park that most Disney fans adore, um, which is Sunset Boulevard. Oh, yes. And I do want to, and it's also appropriate being, uh, you know, Sunset, and we're kind of ending the conversation on Sunset oh, Boulevard. Oh, I see what you did there. I plan these things. <laughs> I do, you know, there's, there's uh, just like the Imagineers, they'll not quite as, as, as good as them. I have some little subtle uh, decisions that I make that impact your subconscious experience with the show. Um, so Sunset Boulevard, the Imagineering Field Guide has a really great um, backstory that I wanted to share. And I'm going to directly quote this from the Imagineering Field Guide. Sunset Boulevard is a boulevard of dreams 
and occasional nightmares. There we see a different side of the entertainment industry, one in which the 1940s Hollywood establishment is helping to keep the country's spirits up during wartime. Then we fast forward really fast to get a fleeting glance at today's music industry. That is the wow. That's a great description. (laughs) That's a really good description. That actually does encompass the entire area. Yeah. Wow. The part that really speaks to me that I really enjoy the most is that first part prior to the rock and roller coaster, uh, fun little addition at the end, but the idea of it being a boulevard of dreams and occasional nightmares. And we're talking about a time period that is wartime in America. So we have, uh, you know, patriotic vibes are high and there's a joint effort. Everyone is collectively in the country, you know, in one way or another, um, you know, involved in the war, even if it's just helping to keep other spirits high. And so Hollywood did the same thing. Walt Disney did the same thing. It was a very dark time in the Walt Disney Studios when a lot of his animators had to go off to war. And he was developing a lot of short films for um, American cinemas to sort of encourage people to get involved with the war effort, even if it was just like, you know, Captain America style buying bonds for uh, to support your country. Like it was, it's very, it's a very interesting time period in America. And it's an also very interesting time period in Hollywood that has those dark shadows. Um, and you get that vibe when you're going down Sunset Boulevard. I've talked extensively about the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror intending to be this really ominous shadow at the end of Sunset Boulevard. And Sunset Boulevard itself, while it is modern, you know, in, in the 1940s version, modernized and and uh, definitely not as, as uh, beaten up as as the Hollywood Tower Hotel, you do get this very weird contrast of light and shadows. And, you know, it's a dark period, but we're trying to keep spirits high. And um, I think the music loop speaks to that. Um, oh, totally. Michael, and, yeah. and again, like the music is also based in like the 1930s and 1940s. Um, so definitely reminiscent of that time. Um, you know, very, you know, like you, like you mentioned, like very calming kind of music, um, you know, trying to get everyone's hopes up, but also to it's a wartime. And one, in fact, there are several songs that they've selected for this particular loop. There's one in particular that I wanted to point out. And I, I'm pretty sure this has always been in, in this loop for a long time. It's just more or less a coincidence. But there is one song called It's Been a Long, Long Time. It's actually quite... Uh, you know, it's a quite popular 1940s song. But the reason why I want to mention it is because it's funny that you mentioned about Captain America. Because at the end of Avengers Endgame, they use that song. That is actually the song that they get that um, that gets played and actually going leading into the end credits. So, what's interesting is that the Russo brothers intentionally chose that song for the end of Endgame because it's also the song gets played in Winter Soldier. There's a scene in uh, Captain America Winter Soldier where Cap, uh, Cap goes back into his apartment and Nick Fury is there. And um, and um, and Sharon Carter, who is basically her, his neighbor, mentions like, oh, hey, you have the music playing. Well, that is the same song. It's it's a long, long time. It's it's a it's an amazing throwback that the Rooster Brothers did. And so it's funny that now that song is actually part of the area loop for this area for this um, essentially this area for that particular time period. 
So uh, I always thought that. So every time now I go into the park and I hear that that particular song playing, I'm like, now I'm thinking back to Captain America and and Endgame. It is a, I think, fun coincidence that definitely, you know, speaks to the thought process in designing the land and also the Captain America because Captain America, the Captain America attraction would fit very well on Sunset Boulevard. Um, it would actually it does fit perfectly with the time period. Um, Maybe instead of, uh, you know, eventually when the whole uh, contractual, uh, you know, weirdness um, with Universal gets fixed somehow, if it ever does, we'll have, you know, maybe Rock and Roller Coaster will be a Captain America attraction. <laughs> I, wonder, I wonder if they can use, is Captain America featured in in the park? In yeah, I think it has less to do with the, um, what's featured in, um, there is the Cap, I think you could find Cap Shield at least, or some like Captain America merchandise in you can you know, of adventure. That's so, true. Um, I think it does also have to do with like pre Disney popularity versus post Disney or Disney popularity. It, I, I look. We speculate about what the contract says. I no. I don't think anyone who has speculated has actually read the thing. No, um, and they don't so. either because there's there's literally thousands of Marvel characters. So like yeah. there there are a lot like and there's like all kinds of like and we're now we're going to uh, kind of like sideline here a little bit, but like there's some yeah. there is so much legal aspects of like characters and and what they would consider to being part of like you know are they part of the X Men are they part of the Avengers like there's all this dispute about that. So, which is the irony is like the one of the reasons why they were able to do Guardians is because Guardians of the Galaxy characters don't even exist when the contract was formed. So, like that, right. obviously, they were completely free and clear because it was. I think Guardians was like in the mid to late two thousands, so way after Islands of Venture was created. So um, that's why they were safe for doing Guardians Cosmic Rewind. But um, other than that, like a lot of the original Marvel characters can be a very can be a very gray area. Yeah. Um, but I'll tell you, like, if if they do fix it, I know we're sidelining here again. Um, obviously, for those who are either in Europe or paying attention, uh, Disneyland Paris, their rock and roller coaster just got changed to an Iron Man experience. Yep. Um, it would fit actually perfectly on Sunset Boulevard as an extension of Sunset Boulevard because you tie in Howard Stark and have a facility Ooh. created by Howard Stark. But then imagine have like Tony Stark, Stark Expo. Like a yes. whole Stark Expo site. Oh, that would be so cool. You have something 1940s Howard Stark-esque type of aesthetic and that, that courtyard and that building. Um, but then you have it where, you know, Tony has done something to that, you know, revitalized the facility to make it, you know, you tie in the story. Like you could easily fit Iron Man into that. I know you love Rock and Roller Coaster and I do too. I don't know um, it's going away. That means that means it's going away. Make, I, add another I, section. Take... Get rid of okay. Anybody who loves animation courtyard, I'm sorry, but like, get rid of animation courtyard. Expand the sense of Boulevard <laughs> out. Like, just get rid of it and like add that out. Don't get rid of don't don't repurpose <laughs> Rock and Roller Coaster. I I I let go of Rock and Roller Coaster ten years ago, so I've been I've been like really preparing myself for it to the point where once they announce it, if they ever announce it, I'm I'm ready. Um, I'll never be ready. Anyway, um, but yeah, you let's get back to the music. Okay. So you did talk about a lot of the. Um, <laughs> it all started with Captain America. Um, True. So there, 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 there's a circle here. We can make a there we can go full circle. Um, they they have a there's there's one song that I shazams, which was uh, fighting Doug MacArthur. Like we're really speaking to the, uh, and that's by um, 
Anita O'Day. So we're really speaking to the the time period, even you know wartime music that's that's played, um, and it is upbeat and peppy, but also contrasting that ominous sort of feel where still you have those high hopes for Hollywood, but you have wartime and it's just Sunset Boulevard is masterfully created. Um, <clears throat> the only obvious music that I have is Beauty and the Beast Life on stage um, mm-hmm. because that includes music from the Hunchback of Notre Dame. So we've got Alan, Alan Menken's music in there. Um, before we get to Rock and Roller Coaster, we have Tower of Terror. Mm-hmm. Um, obvious, we have the, the Twilight Zone theme from the original CBS series still licensed so that still has room to maybe change someday but disney knows that tower of terror in orlando is special so that for those of you listening I'd, I'd actually be a little surprised if they changed it in at least the next five years like and it's i don't say i don't think tower of terror is permanently safe as it is but it is probably going to be the last to go yeah, um, i agree so i agree um, anyway but the music selection is different than the rest of Sunset Boulevard because we intentionally have to go back a decade um, because technically while the Sunset Boulevard is the 40s um, the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror the Hollywood Tower Hotel closed in 1939 when the incident happened and the music that you're hearing I've talked about in the past and in, in past episode is meant to be like even with the echo and reverb that you hear it's like echoes from the past it's haunted it's it's music that shouldn't be playing there. Um, you don't know if it's it's you know it's it's maybe paranormal. Like you don't really know what's what's happening. Um, but all the music had to end October thirty first, nineteen thirty nine. So everything you hear in that queue um, as you're outside the tower and inside the lobby is all music from the thirties. And it is if you actually were to look up the real songs like if you play one of the most popular songs from the queue is we'll meet again um if you play the real song it's it's still a little ominous and see there's this like it's a love ballad but um you know there's sorrow that's infused into it but the queue version is different um it's even more filled with dread and sorrow than the original version which is slightly peppier um so they take all of these hits from 1939 and they slow them down they i think obviously i talked about the echo and the reverb they probably i would imagine perhaps changed the key um to some of these but um mike i know you're not a a 1930s swing expert but (laughs) anything that speaks to you from the tower of terror because i know i know you love this attraction yeah so um if if i and actually i think i remember this from one of your episodes uh is the fact that the music that was selected was authentically recorded back in those days too so it wasn't necessarily recreations it literally was these recordings from the 1930s that essentially they uh modified to have this this haunting echo uh to them to to to, like you mentioned about invoking this paranormal feeling about this you know this building um so then you know, and also like modifying so it's a little bit slower as well, so a little bit more methodical. So, um, yeah, which was amazing. I think that was just so brilliant to the detail to keep it to keep the entire attraction both authentic, but also this sense of foreboding um, for where you're going to be basically be taken. And from there, we don't have an onboard soundtrack. We have the Twilight Zone theme sort of infused throughout the ride experience, and that's it. Um, so the on ride portion of it, we don't really have a, too much of a soundtrack to speak to, but it's really 
people gravitate towards that cue just because it is so um, brilliantly composed. Um, so had to talk about Tower of Terror, but let's round the corner to the courtyard um, where we zip ahead to modern day, um, which we do go through a transition. We go through a gate, so I'll give it to them. Um, and we hit Rock and Roller Coaster. Yes. I've been waiting for this <laughs> the whole time. <laughs> That's why I'm staying silent. Yeah. Oh, man. Rock, rock and Roller Coaster. I mean, it's still like one of my f- most favorite attractions. And I'm, you know, I, ironically, and I think this is true for a lot of people, is that I became a fan of Aerosmith because of that attraction. I had Same no here. idea who Aerosmith was until I started going on that ride. And uh, I just love the music so much. And so I'm a, now a big Aerosmith fan because of, because of that attraction. So I hope it, for Aerosmith's sake, sake that they never get rid of it because, I mean, it keeps on getting them new fans every single time people ride it. Yeah, it's true. Um, I think it's true for a lot of, you know, it, it was perfectly fitting for parents and kids uh, experiencing in 1999 when it was, oh, you know, officially a new attraction um, that parents knew or, you know, our parents knew Aerosmith. Maybe all, not everybody was a fan of Aerosmith, but everyone knew Aerosmith. Um, and then for us kids, we kind of, grew up with Aerosmith through rock and roller coaster. If we went to Walt Disney world. Um, but, uh, so it's primarily Aerosmith music, um, played throughout rock and roller coaster in the, in the queue and in the, on the on ride soundtrack. Um, I always loved the queue I have noticed in the past that they have changed it a few times to have more generic rock music. Um, I noticed they did that, especially during the holidays back in the day, which was a very interesting decision to make. Yeah, I was, always, then, I was curious why they would do that. Yeah, I, I don't know. And then other times of the year, and I'm, I know there's a reason, but other, I just don't know what it is. Other times of the year, I've noticed that, you know, throughout the year, sometimes I'll ride it and it'll be, it could be that they're testing the cue music. I'm, I'm not sure, but otherwise it's about an hour loop of Aerosmith music, some yes. popular Aerosmith music. Yes, which um, I'll run down real, real fast because I, I, I didn't list necessarily all of them, but just at least the, the main ones that I always caught. There's so, only a dozen anyway. There's not that many of them. So there's uh, Living on the Edge, which is one of my favorites. Uh, the Other Side, Hole in My Soul, Same Old Song and Dance, Maybe Please, Please Don't Go, Dream On, Just Push Play, Ragdoll, What It Takes, Draw the Line, uh, Pink, The Deuces Are Wild, uh, Don't Want to Miss a Thing, and Jaded. Uh, which uh, is a gr- great playlist of Aerosmith music. It covers a lot of ground. Um, one of the things I do want to mention is I, I, I appreciate the fact that don't want to miss a thing because that's kind of a little meta because that is the theme for Armageddon, which is a touch tone pictures, which is Disney. So um, I thought that was actually kind of interesting. In fact, before One Man's Dream, there was another attraction that was... Um, that was there that was um, based on films and one of the films that they focused on was Armageddon so uh, kind of is a kind of an interesting little uh, intertwine you know kind of intertwining in there if you will and Walt Disney Studios Park in Paris has an Armageddon attraction or had an Armageddon attraction yeah that's true they did have an Armageddon attraction in in Paris I remember that and the Backlot Tour had featured from Armageddon they had Mm -hmm. the Armageddon um the machine, the the sorry, the oh yes, the the, the the I forgot what it's called. It's like, but it's the machine that they that they uh, basically it's had on the on the freaking, yeah. <laughs> freaking meteor. <laughs> that, that movie's ridiculous. I love it. <laughs> but yeah, but it, you just if, 
go and accepting what it is. That's that's what you have to do with Armageddon. You have to accept the premise and then you'll and enjoy just, it. Just, just go for it. But yeah, because Liv Tyler, you know, Steven Tyler's daughter is in that film. Like, you know, mm-hmm. you know, they had an Aerosmith song as a the, basically the theme song at the end. So I always appreciated that fact that they have that in that playlist kind of tie things together. Yeah, it's it's a good one. Um, then you enter, you have the pre-show Walk This Way. It's the predominant theme that's played in the pre-show. And then you walk onto the attraction. And we've talked about this in the last episode, but there are five limo soundtracks. You did it last time. I will do the honors this time. Yeah, so we on. have Nine Lives. That's my favorite one. Um, Sweet Emotion. Love in an Elevator and Walk This Way as a combo. Um, the longest combo or the 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 most number of songs in a single ride through combo is young lust f-i-n-e and love it an elevator and the last one is back in the saddle with dude looks like a lady um so that was it mike do you remember because we didn't talk about this in the attraction soundtracks episode do you remember rock and roller coaster before they had the steven tyler countdown no they had one without the steven tyler countdown yeah that was the original version of rock and roller coaster did not feature Bill St. James, who is a is a mm-hmm. popularized rock and roll DJ. You can still hear him, I think, on the air. Um, but they used in, initially Uncle Joe Benson was the original narrator for rock that and I roller do coaster. Remember. Yeah, he's a very famous Los Angeles based um, DJ that you can hear on the radio. Um, but the original soundtracks they were the same songs. One or two of them did have the Steven Tyler countdown included, but the others did not. So my favorite one. So if you actually listen to the soundtrack for nine lives, um, for instance, it's uh, the um, the that one guitar riff like that. Don't, I'll have to edit mm-hmm. it, insert it here. But it's it's one guitar riff, just like dong, yes. like a really long held note. And then you have that fast paced drums that just kick in with the bass, like that. Right. Oh, that's when you remember this. But they would have no countdown. All you would hear was Joe Perry, Steven Tyler in your ear in surround sound going left and right with his little, I don't even know how you would describe that sound. Like a, he makes it with the sound with his, like his tongue in his throat. It's like a screech, not a screech. Yeah, it's kind of like a tongue. I don't, I don't know what you would call it. Yeah. But. Are you ready for this? Here we go! But he would have this, this like noise in surround sound going left ear to right ear. And then he would say in his screechy voice, which I'm not going to try to imitate. Are you ready for this? Yes. Here we go. Launch. Just like that. I do remember that. I do remember that. I, you know what? They, they got rid of that because I guess they did because I added, they still have it. But on top of that, they have Steven Tyler counting. Interesting. I do remember there is that there was renditions that they didn't do the countdown now. I Back in the Saddle was another one that wow. actually has a really perfect launch sequence without the, um, well, all, actually all of them. I'll, gu- I'll give you two more. So Back in the Saddle did not originally have the countdown, um, but it was like the dun-dun, dun-dun, like, you know, dun 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 And uh, I think they said, I have to go back and listen, they want to give a special shout-out to, uh, Stephen Tyler says, I want to give a special shout-out to our friends uh, in a limo downtown or something like that. Um, oh, there was no that. countdown, 
And then when the song transitions is when it would launch. When he says, when he shouts, I'm back, that's when it would launch. That would just be it. There was no countdown. And the last one that was the most surprising was Sweet Emotion. Um, because Sweet Emotion in the beginning also has a very, like, you know, slow buildup mm-hmm. to the to the song. Um, and so it would have that, that long note in the beginning um, and there would be no countdown. And then I believe, if I remember correctly... Um, I'll have to go back and listen. Maybe I'll insert it here. Um, Steven Tyler just said, rock on. And that's when you would launch. There's no countdown, no build up to it. You'll just be in anticipation, like in the song Sweet Emotion, for the melody to kick in. And it would just be that long note. And you would just hear Steven Tyler say, rock on. And you would launch like right there, like no preparation at all. Um, so that added such an element of intensity. And I think probably to make it a little more kid friendly, they added the countdown you have to so give it a little bit prep. Yeah, when that, it was coming, that makes sense. I, you know what, I actually do remember almost all those things because that's how many times I read, read that attraction. So I think I remember. I didn't even realize that, you know, that they changed it to have everyone have the count because, like, there's so many because you have the different variations, right? So you don't really think about it that much because you're getting the different soundtracks for depending upon which card you're getting. So. I never really thought about that before. That's really interesting that they've now added it for every single one of them because I do remember those editions. I do remember that that th- there wasn't always a countdown. Yep. Interesting. How old was this, kids? This was before FastPass <laughs> existed for the attraction. The reason they wow. changed the attraction was because they added FastPass. So they changed the queue. And at the same time, they changed the soundtracks. They updated it from Joe Benson to um, Bill St. James. And they added in the... Uh, the countdown for all of the five launch sequences well, that ages me definitely because <laughs> before fast pass <laughs> fun facts for someone who loves rock and roller coaster yeah um like the two of us do um one last thing we have to call out is phantasmic phantasmic exists as an offshoot of sunset boulevard it is definitely not in theme with sunset boulevard um it has a very subtle theme in the sense that it's Hollywood amphitheater, but it, it's it's meant to be more like in the Hollywood Hills. So you are changing time periods. You have that long walk to the amphitheater, and you are not in the 40s anymore. You are in modern day. Um, so even the do you remember the Disney Mania CDs, Mike? Like the 90s. Oh yeah, <laughs> early 2000s. Yeah. Oh yeah, I remember those CDs very the music well. Music that's played before the show. Um, yeah, the upbeat uh, house versions of of. Disney hits mm-hmm. very dated, um, but <laughs> it's so much fun. Um, and I just had to call out the phantasmic theme, um, oh, yeah, which was amazing. An original, original song developed by Bruce Healy with lyrics by Barnett Ricci. That concludes what I thought would be. We are at timestamp one hour, 59 minutes and 34 <laughs> seconds. I told you this would take two hours. Yeah, we are you, at you did. two hours. I was like, oh, maybe we take like an hour, but you're like, no, we're a lot of two hours. I'm like, yeah, and you're probably right. Yep. Yeah. Um, I, but I do think we, while we didn't necessarily call out everything, it was a, a, an analysis really of all of the area music and the soundtracks for different attractions across the park in its current form. Yeah, it's um, a true it's a true essence of the park and it's it is truly amazing and this is something that we'd like to say uh, quite a bit in the creative agent industry which is that when 
when something is so is done so well that you don't even recognize, don't even acknowledge that it exists, that's that's perfection. And that's the way I look at music in the parks is that it's there, it exists, it gets you into that into that world they're trying to create, but you're not even aware that's what's happening. And that's yeah. why it's always amazing to to deep dive into the thought process between the music selection, uh, let alone the actual creation of music for these parks, because that that is a part of the whole experience. It's everything. It's it's the visuals as well as the audio that is being delivered to you um, to really make you feel like you're you're part of something. And uh, it, it's it's definitely something that should never that is often overlooked, but never unappreciated. For sure. This is a park that does it right. And that's why, you know, I said in the very beginning, two hours ago, that this was a perfect park to start with, with a combination of licensed music and some original music sprinkled in, but a whole lot of thought given to the time period, the style, the, um, you know, even the lyrics in some cases, <clears throat> that's for what's, what's chosen for all these different loops that are created. Um, so Mike, if we, Oh, you know, we have three other parks at Walt Disney World. We have we can go to Disneyland. Like, what park do you want to hit up next? Oh, you're gonna you're gonna actually ask me this. <laughs> I'm gonna ask you, but I am not going to commit to your answer. So okay, you can tell fair. me whatever you want to say. <laughs> oh man, because I mean, we were talking about this before about which park to choose, and I think we we thought that Epcot would be a little bit too on the nose uh, to start off with, uh, which I did agree with, and then it was Magic Kingdom or Animal Kingdom, and Animal Kingdom would be real interesting, but I think would be even more challenging than Hollywood Studios. So it is much more challenging. We're talking so, about real music from. Uh, international locations. Yeah, and um, forget like so. 1930s, 40s, big big band music. Forget it for world music. So <laughs> I would say if if I was to have a preference and if we're going to at least for now stick with Walt Disney World, I would say Magic Kingdom would probably be the next one I would like to do. That's an extensive list as well. That's a big um, one. That might be that for is. three hours. <laughs> well, we'll plan a we'll plan a little intermission in the middle for us to grab some snacks. And there you <laughs> go. Exactly. <laughs> um, all right. Last question for you. We've we've discussed now like all the music across the parks uh, across this particular park. What is your favorite area music loop? I mean, come on! Like, I would have to go and, and say it's Sunset, you know, Sunset Boulevard, Rock and Roller Coaster. I mean, that would probably. I mean, that's kind of a cop out answer, but it's kind of true. Um, I would say outside of that, though, I mean, for ambiance, I would say Galaxy's Edge for sure. Um, but I think also between just music that I just love. I mean, I'm a huge pop culture person if you haven't figured it out yet. So like I, you know, the music from Commissary Lane and then basically Aerosmith songs. I mean, that's that's my cup of tea. Like that's that's where I go to. And I, you know, being, you know, uh, we talked about before being growing up with, you know, playing the trumpet and growing up with jazz music. I love jazz. I love big band music. But my heart is is definitely in in rock and, you know, theme music and things like that, too. Like that's. You know, that's where I would probably go towards. Is that? What about you? That's uh, that's great. For, so for me, I'm 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 extending your Sunset Boulevard or being more specific, Tower of Terror. That mm. Q loop is probably my favorite at the park. That's a good but one. I'm also uh, you know <clears throat> new stuff. Like I, I mentioned, I had that entrance music for Galaxy's Edge on repeat while I'm working pretty frequently. Um, but uh, Hollywood Boulevard too. So old school MGM Studios, but fits still so well with the Hollywood Studios side. That's a good choice too. 
And with that, we close out episode 139 of Imagineer Podcast and this two-part discussion all about the music at Disney's Hollywood Studios. I hope from this discussion you have a newfound appreciation for what you hear at this park. When we talk about Imagineering, it's not just what you see, but also what you hear. And there is a very intentional decision-making process that goes into the music selection and the sound choices at the Disney parks. And I hope this particular episode will give you a better idea of what you can expect when you go to Disney's Hollywood Studios and will really transform your experience to give you an even greater appreciation for this particular park at Walt Disney World. I want to turn this conversation over to you, though. You heard us finish this episode by discussing what park we would want to discuss next. But I want to hear from you. What park should we cover next at Walt Disney World or Disneyland? Or you can pick other Disney destinations too. What would be the next park you would like us to dive into in a future Imagineer podcast episode? You can send me your answers and feedback as always in so many different ways. The easiest is just to connect with us on social media. You can connect with Imagineer Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and LinkedIn at Imagineer Podcast, on Twitter at Imagineer News, and even better in our Facebook group, The Imagination, also called the Imagineer Podcast Disney Fan Community, where you can connect with me and with other members of this listener community to learn what their answers are about this subject and to talk about all things Disney with other members of this community. You can find links to all those places in the show notes of this episode. And better yet, also feel free and definitely check out our YouTube page over at uh, youtube.com slash Imagineer Podcast. Make sure to hit the, the subscribe button there to get sort of a video extension of Imagineer Podcast uh, with great videos that are going up as often as possible, a few a month uh, to connect you to the Disney parks and beyond. Speaking of subscribe, make sure to also hit that subscribe or follow button on whatever podcast app you're using to listen to the show, whether it's Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Amazon Music, Google Podcasts or any other podcast of the show so that you never miss an episode and are the first to know when new podcast episodes become available. And if you have a moment to leave a rating and a review in Apple Podcasts, that goes an extra long way in helping to support this community and lets others know when they search for Disney in Apple Podcasts. First of all, it makes us more relevant in search results, but it also provides those who find Imagineer Podcasts with some more information and an incentive to go hit that play button. So definitely, if you get the chance, if you haven't yet already, appreciate you leaving a rating and a review over in Apple Podcasts. And if you'd like to take your love of Imagineer Podcast to the next level, definitely check out our Patreon group. I have a link to that location in the show notes of this episode and over at ImagineerPodcast.com which is over at patreon.com slash Imagineer Podcast. There you can support the show and get extra content, including bonus podcast episodes, access to a private Facebook group, weekly Disney Plus watch parties, and so much more. These perks are subject to change, so just check it all out. See what's currently available over at patreon.com slash Imagineer Podcast. And when you're ready to book a trip to Disney's Hollywood Studios or any Walt Disney World location or Disneyland or Disney Cruise Line or any other Disney destination, definitely work with our travel partner, Magical Park Vacations. They provide an incredible level of service. It's all a complimentary service to you that you need to help to save money on your next Disney vacation because they are aware of all the discounts that are available. And even after you book your vacation, if it is if a discount becomes available, 
they'll go in and apply it to your vacation. So really a great perk. That's just one of the many reasons to consider working with them. And you can learn more about them over at MagicalParkVacations.com and consider working with their sister companies as well, WDW Park Planners and Magical Park Tours to get an even greater level of service. We're talking concierge level service and planning out the specific itinerary for your family. They sit down with your family virtually, of course, and discuss what you're looking to accomplish when you're traveling. They can help to book dining reservations for you and itemize and plan out every single day, especially if it's been a while or if you're going with a large group or if you are just not sure how to make the most of your Disney vacation or just want some extra help. WDW Park Planners is a great place to go over at wdwparkplanners.com and their in-person tour company, magicalparktours.com, to have a Disney expert actually there with you in the parks to help guide you from one location to the next and help your family on the spot decide what to accomplish. Of course, working within your particular wants and needs uh, to make the most of your in-park experience. Last but not least, I want to encourage you, as I always do, to go after your hopes, your dreams, your goals, whatever those goals might be. Take those first steps today to make those dreams a reality. And remember, as always, that inspiring quote from Horizons. If you can dream it, you can do it. Thank you so much for listening to the show, and we'll see you again in a future episode of the Imagineer Podcast. resort for the world's most magical celebration every moment is amazing the joy is never ending 
and the memories last a lifetime. Because when you celebrate with us, nothing could be more magical. Contact Magical Park Vacations to book your Walt Disney World Resort vacation today. Call 585-662-3686 or visit MagicalParkVacations.com.